1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thanks for being with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. Going to have to fix my intro there a little bit uh, for that random word show. Uh, still sitting in there. Uh, that'll be fixed soon. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today. There are a lot of things out there in the world. And yet I will start with our president. Our president um, spoke to the uh, members of the press. Uh, he spoke to the prime minister of the U.K., uh, who he called the president. Um, a lot of things happened. Uh, this, to me, was the most interesting moment by far, uh, though. And this audio is uh, both hilarious and sort of uh, terrifying. Uh, well, maybe a little bit terrifying. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you decide. Uh, the president was asked a question about the criminal bribery scheme uh, that he is accused of, or at least uh, likely accused of, via something that the FBI will not give politicians. There is a document, and there is a subpoena for said document, and the FBI was like, nah uh when the politician said, we want to see all the information about what is uh, apparently um, a, a accusation of uh, our president and vice president just taking a bribe, just full-on taking one, and obviously that leans quite a bit into Hunter Biden, the um, Hunter Biden laptop, and all the different odd financial things that happened for the Biden family, uh, which we don't have more clarity on as just everyday you and I people, and we'd probably like it. But here, this is the answer to the question, and it's, it's as I said, at least hilarious and maybe some other stuff. Thank you. By the way, I'll just say that the pause there after he said thank you and just sort of eyed the room was a whole bunch of reporters being like, you're walking away now, right? You're not going to talk to us. You're not going to answer any questions. And he just he stood and waited. So a few more questions. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, please remain in your seats as the principals and official delegations depart the East Room. (laughs) I'm supposed to walk off the stage now. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy Bates says there's damning evidence in the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. <laughs> Mr. President. Wow! Where's the money? I'm joking. Let him continue. That's a bunch of malarkey. That's a bunch of malarkey. Come on, man. What are you talking about? Where's the money uh, being the first reaction? I think that's exactly what the conversation is about, sir. I think that the people who are looking for the politicians, uh, who are looking for more information into some of these uh, things the FBI won't share or at least won't fully turn over uh, to uh, political committees, uh, they're looking for the paper trail to eventually land on on you. Uh, but as far as the answer to where the money goes, Republicans right now would say that it's gone to a lot of Biden family members who are not you and that a lot of it is strange. And that's as much as we know so far. I'm sure some are saying that the language I'm using is not strong enough. Um, we need more information. Uh, it looks very, very odd. And I think that it's right. I, I just can't. But I don't want to belabor this point all day again today and and talk about something that you hear about a lot. But I just can't understand how there's not more curiosity as to whether or not our president slash vice president at the time uh, full on took bribes from other countries uh, via a a financial arrangement with family members. I I don't know why that's not something that's more interesting uh, to people. And yet somehow it's it's not. But where is the money is probably my favorite answer from Biden on anything so far because it feels like it's the most honest answer he's ever given, uh, even though he then smiles and says, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But anybody's got a hundred bucks, uh, let me know. Uh, let me play this audio. And then I'm going to, I am going to belabor this point and talk about this a bit. Uh, but our president said in a response, and the, the big thing that's getting news 
or the thing that's being most focused on is how he ends uh, the bit of audio I'm going to play and the thing he's said a lot that these aren't somebody's kids, they're everybody's kids. And he's talking about some of the LGBTQ stuff uh, that's in the news all the time. But I'm going to actually object to something else he said, or at least something I think he's using in a way that he knows isn't necessarily at all uh, a genuine way to do it. Here we go. It's wrong that the violence and hate crimes targeting LGBTQ people is rising. It's wrong that extreme officials are pushing hateful bills targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors. These are our kids. These are our neighbors. It's cruel and it's callous. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. They're not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. Uh, He says that a lot on any issue, uh, whether it's something about school and if kids should wear masks or get vaccines or uh, and these conversations that are going on now. And here's the odd thing about that. Uh, to some people, that sounds good. It's like, okay, good. We all we all should care about the people that live within our society, about the children. But they are somebody else's kids. They're not your kids, sir. And parents do have a right to raise their kids the way that they so choose. That would be one of the most basic rights, I imagine, of parents. But the thing he said that I'm actually most confused by is when he referenced the amount of hate crimes specific to the LGBTQ community. Uh, because in doing so, in saying that they're on the rise... Uh, he demonstrates, or a lot of politicians who talk about this demonstrate, a desire to turn a conversation into something emotional and not something that's actually based in in fact. And so I looked it up. I looked up the data. And here's the weird thing or the unique thing or the, I don't know what you want to call it, thing, significant thing uh, going on here is uh, there was a rise in hate crimes across the board. Every single group, if you want to break them out by groups, saw more um, violence than in previous years because there were also more crimes from 2020 to 2021, the most recent time that the FBI put out information. And one of the groups most significantly impacted by a rise in hate crimes is going to make people mad, but it's just a fact, and I'm not using it to try to dismiss the importance of hate crimes uh, against any uh, group of people, uh, white people. White people saw an increase of about 300 hate crimes from 869 to 11, uh, 1107. That's a 30% increase uh, in hate crimes targeting white people. Uh, targeting black people, you saw a 14% increase in crime. Uh, targeting gay people, 41% uh, increase in crime. Jewish people, 20%. I can go through the board, every single group of people. Uh, and actually, by far, the most significant group of people, and this is according to FBI data, and it's probably hard to quantify and understand how many of these accusations of something being a hate crime are as well defined as as we would want. But the most significant group of people to see a a tremendous increase in crimes against them based on on race, Asian, 279 to 746. It's a 167% increase in crime. But it's, it's across the board. It's every single group of people. And so to say that there is only, you know, hate crime now impacting LGBTQ is to accuse our society of something that it's not doing, or at least not doing in any way that's more significant than what's happening to any other group, including even white people. But if someone were to go on television somewhere and say, we've got to tamp down on the hate crimes against white people, I wonder how that would be heard uh, by most of our society, or at least our society that's so angry about some of these things we're talking about. And so that, that leads me to something else that I wanted to say. It's the thing about you know, it's not our kids or it's not somebody else's kids. They're they're our kids. How arrogant of a position is that? If you really think about it, 
to think that I would have as much ability, responsibility, whatever the word might be, uh, to help raise kids that are not mine as kids that might be mine or kids that are mine. I say that weird because I have no children. Um, but how, how odd would that be? Uh, to walk up to somebody and be like, I'm sorry, those are our kids. They're not just your kids. Let me help you raise your kids the way that I see fit. You'd get smacked by a lot of people. But that is essentially the way to say these things that are happening in our society are unfair. And I want to say one more thing uh, in my ranty start to the show. And I, this is probably the most important thing. Uh, right now in our society, the arguments going on, especially the ones where it's LGBTQ related, I think for someone to have a voice that's different than the the woke um, mainstream media voice you are immediately accused of being you know phobic um i don't know if you're in this case whatever it is uh, as far as the group is you're talking about homophobic transphobic something you're, you're phobic in some way if you say something that's in any way other than uh the the view of society that's talked about uh, by the well political left and uh here's the thing what I actually believe is at the heart of any conversation involving parents and children is what if my child is not the thing that they might feel they are? What if they, they tell me, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm transgender and they're not. Um, and one of the bigger things that just happened on social media a couple days ago, and you might hate the guy for a variety of reasons. I don't know. You might love him for a variety of reasons. Matt Walsh, uh, the person who created the What is a Woman documentary had one of his producers try to get approval from a medical community for a, a sex change operation for literally a removal of his testicles. And he got it within 20 minutes. And he got it without actually seeing anyone in person. Everything was over uh, the Internet. And he, he gave information that was contradictory, uh, saying that he wasn't gender dysphoric at the moment when he was seeking some sort of help from a medical community person um, on some big – and you can look it all up on Matt Walsh's social media page – and he got he got approval. He got a written document that you could go into a, a hospital and show that could allow you to get a sex change operation. Nowhere near the amount of of psychological evaluation they say is necessary. They say, meaning the medical community, in order to get to a point where someone would be uh, given the right or given the ability to even go down that road. Twenty minutes, and even saying contradictory things on purpose because a a media outlet, a conservative media outlet wanted to, to demonstrate how flawed our system is, how going from trying to understand something has gone to a place of not even caring whether or not something is accurate or not. And that, that's not hate. That's being confused or being worried or being scared uh, that our society right now is cultivating opinions uh, that not, are not always actually what's really going on. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it, and I think it's so interesting that it's shaped this way by our president, our Democratic president, because it is designed to call the side of the aisle that disagrees with him hateful, awful, terrible people. Quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff uh, to talk about. I like this story a lot. Uh, there's a guy, his name is Daniel Barton. He likes to steal police cars. Uh, the reason I like this story is because he's definitely in trouble and going to get caught for this. Um, but he was out uh, on bail awaiting a trial about stealing a police car, and he decided to do his favorite thing, the thing he loves most. He stole another police car. I have audio of the police talking about 
seeing this happen and then him getting arrested just real, real quick uh, after, uh, which I like even more. This has to be like the dumbest thing to be um, someone that wants to do that. Like you want to do this so many times to be into it, I guess, is the way I'm saying it, because Daniel Barton is into stealing police cars and he's going to be in a lot of trouble for what he likes. So your squad? What's your squad? Someone just stole my squad. The same person that's stolen MPD squad before. <laughs> it's the same guy. He's done it before. We got him. We arrested him because you're not going to hide uh, while stealing police cars. This is stupid. This is something you should not do. Uh, but I am very, very glad that this guy is in trouble for it. And even more importantly, you're accused of it and you're waiting for the trial in court. And I don't know how much um, proof they had in the first case. You'd assume they have a whole bunch of proof in the first case. But it's going to make it fairly easy uh, for him to get in trouble for both of these uh, in the court system. When they're like, yeah, while you were awaiting your trial in this first one, you went out and did it again. Uh, that's real, real dumb. Uh, other things out there, I thought this was interesting. Just 8% of people, according to a poll, I uh, like to be greeted when they walk into a store. Just 8%. 92% of us are like, uh-uh, I don't like that. Or actually, 52% don't like it at all. And 40% of people said they don't care. It doesn't matter. Uh, I like it. I I'm one of the 8%. I usually say hi back to whoever the person is who said hi. And actually, my wife and I, uh, I'm pretty sure my wife likes it too, we usually say goodbye, uh, which is which is weird. <laughs> I don't know if that's normal. But if we walk into any place, like a Starbucks, anything, and they greet us, and uh, there's a few Starbucks that are good at this, then when we leave, we sort of pause for a second, and we wait to hear if somebody's going to say goodbye. And if they don't, we turn around and we say, like, thank you, goodbye to everybody. <laughs> I don't know why. It feels like proper manners. If they said hello uh, coming in, then you should say goodbye uh, when you're leaving. Um, but this is a catch-22, uh, this study is saying, for companies, because do they keep employing someone to say hi when 52% of people don't like it and only 8% actually like it? I think so. I think, yeah, uh, keep the greeter thing going. I think that actually the 52% that don't like it should get over it. It's the hottest take I have today. Uh, the majority of people should just be happy that someone said, like, it's, it's a hello. Now, why is it that bad? Why does it matter? Actually, tell me, 309 340-4464-309-340-4464. Uh, if a majority of people really feel this way, they hate getting the hello when they walk into a place, I should get a bunch of texters who say why they hate it. Tell me why. Just uh, keep to yourself. I don't want you talking to me. I don't want you being polite in my direction. Uh, Sam Adams is selling a brand new beer. Uh, the beer is available, I think, just online. Uh, it's going to ship just after July 4th. It costs $5.30. I think you only buy like one bottle, uh, and it's because it's a gimmicky thing. It's sort of like a magic eight ball is what they're saying, but on the bottom of the beer, it has excuses for why you can't go to stuff. <laughs> Maybe these are all the people that don't want uh, anyone to greet them when they walk into a business, but this is pretty funny. Uh, if you are the type of person that likes to say no to your friends uh, when they're going out and you, you struggle sometimes to come up with excuses, uh, well, this um, bottle of beer, this can of beer, We'll give you an excuse at the bottom, like, you know, the the uh, top of a Snapple. And all of them are also beer puns. Uh, there is stuff like uh, I'm making poor choices, spelled P-O-U-R, uh, caught in ailment, A-L-E for the ale, uh, working on a six-pack. These are things that you can say to get you out of stuff with your friends uh, that also might make you giggle because, well, uh, they're really bad beer puns. Um, but that is a $5.30 can uh, if you need the help trying to figure out a way to say no to stuff. Um, other things out there, I did think this was really interesting. There is a artificially um, created, AI-generated photo of Elon Musk as a baby. 
And it's um, all over the Internet uh, breaking. Elon Musk was reportedly working on some anti-aging formula, but it got uh, way out of hand is what a parody account put up. And a whole bunch of people are sharing this photo. A whole bunch of people are, are mocking and making fun of this photo. That's a weird place to be in society, right? Uh, whether or not you love or hate Elon Musk to enjoy a fake baby photo of him and making fun of a fake baby photo of him. That's, that's weird. Uh, not that I care. Uh, you do you, however you want to do it. Uh, but that, that's an odd thing for people to enjoy a lot. Uh, I don't think of anyone that I, you know, disagree with, any politician or any human that I'd want to go have like a baby photo made and then be like, yeah, it's a stupid looking baby. That's, that's, that's strange. I feel like that's extra odd. Uh, but darn it, this is the world we're in. Uh, this is the least strange maybe of a lot of strange things that exist out there. All right, after the break, I will talk more about the president and some of the things he said uh, while hanging out with the uh, prime minister of the U.K., because uh, that's how I'm going to say that things happened. I also have some audio of John Kirby uh, talking, out, talking about the special relationship uh, that Biden has with Xi Jinping, uh, the president of China. So, uh, there's that out there. And then I'm just going to say it. It's in the article. and I'm aware I'm allowed to say these words. Uh, there is a, a serious risk and a government health alert uh, going out in Australia for a, a product made by a company, the company's name, Big Penis USA. That is a real thing out there. I want to I want to discuss it in just a bit. I'm sorry for anyone that got upset, but I'm just saying the words uh, looking at and in front of me. Uh, from AP. Uh, quick break, though. Will's got the news. 1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM, all over the internet, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, you know what's strange, and you actually just heard Will reporting on it a little bit earlier in the news, is that Governor Pritzker has decided there are only two places where you can challenge him through the court system. Uh, those places would be Cook County and Sagamon County or Springfield uh, area. And that is interesting because the intention of this is to put, um, well, okay, let, let's talk about what the claimed intention versus the real intention of this is. The claimed intention is this stuff's going to wind up in front of the Supreme Court of Illinois anyway, and the Supreme Court is located in these places. So let's just make it easier. Uh, let's just make sure that every single case goes through both of these locations and no other places. Uh, the truth is that these places are heavily Democratic, uh, especially, of course, Cook County. So voting would likely benefit uh, Pritzker quite a bit, or excuse me, uh, not voting per se, uh, but the way in which they would handle or the way in which even judges themselves would rule on cases. It would all reflect how uh, those locations in our state vote. And it's it's insane. I, it's, it's actually like, um, and I know they say it this way, uh, that it's to also prevent um, someone from shopping for a favorable venue uh, when you want to challenge something. And yes, during COVID, some of the challenges to the overarching um, abilities of our governor and the way in which he was abusing his own power uh, to try to do certain things. Uh, he was challenged in in courts uh, that would not be in the Springfield area or the Chicago area. And the reason why, even if it would have been um, unfair uh, the other way, potentially, is that people didn't want to have a complete lack of ability to say um, even challenge something because of the bias of a court system. I mean, to, to be totally honest, uh, this happens uh, all the time, not just here in Illinois, not just Democrats and Republicans, uh, but all the time in the world of our, our legal system. If anything at all uh, touches on uh, politically, potentially um, bias or, or whatever uh, forms of, of court cases, you're seeing it in New York. 
uh, president, former President Trump is being challenged in New York City and the court case against him and the Evelyn, uh, the the, um, you know, uh, of Evel- I don't know. I can't say it this way, uh, but the elevating. There we go. Um, of those charges to felonies and then seeing whether or not um, Trump will get in trouble for uh, documents and, and tax things uh, that seem to be uh, very much not necessarily what anyone voting for a president would care about as far as a a business related crime or lack thereof. It's just sort of crazy. Like it, it truly is crazy uh, that these are the way that people want to or politicians want to. Uh, essentially game the political system, and then it's sold to you as a good thing. This is tremendously selfish, tremendously beneficial to uh, Democrats and to Pritzker specifically, and it stifles the ability for someone to challenge him effectively through our court system, which is bad. Now, all those things are bad, and all those things are what each side accuses the other of when they do anything or or everything uh, that's politically um, you know, uh, motivated. Uh, they'll tell the other side, this is not politically motivated at all. How dare you say that, sir? Uh, when it obviously is, and it happens just constantly. All right, let's play this. I think this audio is interesting, or at least these two pieces of audio. Uh, John Kirby said that our president has a really great relationship with Xi Jinping of China, and that's really good for us. It's not obviously something that might cause Biden to be weaker on China than, say, other presidents would be. Um, and what I think is really interesting about this accusation and the way in which the back and forth goes, and actually it's almost identical to what I was saying about the whole Pritzker thing, uh, the way in which um, Republicans accuse Biden of being weak on China uh, and Democrats defend themselves as saying, no, it's good to have a good relationship uh, with someone in that uh, leading that country as they're flying spy balloons over our country um, because it's such a direct conflict or direct um, um, you know, version of, of being con- uh, a contradictory to what they say about uh, Putin and Trump. And I'm not saying that a, a good relationship with Putin or Xi Jinping is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just interesting to see the way in which, depending on the world leader of the country that we're not exactly aligned with, um, apparently if you're on a Democratic or Republican side of the aisle, one is good, the other is bad. Here we go. And as for the president, look, he's got a relationship with President Xi. They've known each other a long time. You've heard him say this before. Uh, he, he looks forward to talking to President Xi again at the appropriate time. And, and when that is, well, we'll certainly let everybody know. And if you also say, how dare I compare these two things? Russia is totally different than China. Uh, there's a lot of belief that China will eventually invade Taiwan. And China invading Taiwan is very similar to a lot of people, uh, maybe not to our president, a lot of people to Russia invading Ukraine. And outside of that, there's a bunch of reasons to believe uh, that and Russia and Ukraine, uh, excuse me, uh, Russia and China, very chummy, very pally uh, with each other, very willing to support each other, uh, demonstrates just how unique of a block of countries and world leaders we have there. But here, I'll play this. Uh, this is uh, Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, popping up on CNN and saying how it was horrible and terrible uh, that Trump was essentially a puppet to Putin. Uh, and at the same time, Democrats are saying how great it is that Biden has such a good relationship with Xi Jinping. And I don't know what, what President Trump uh, is thinking about this, um, except that he's been a puppet of Putin um, from the time he was president. And it always was disturbing to me. We would argue regularly about Vladimir Putin during the time that he was president. And, and I think it's very clear what we need to do. We need to give the Ukrainians every piece of military hardware they need to protect themselves against this aggression. To fight. And then if China eventually invades Taiwan, 
uh, we're not going to do anywhere near as much. And that's totally fine. That's totally okay. Don't worry. Although our president has said uh, that he would um, send military to defend Taiwan. And then his own administration has told him we won't do that, uh, which is even more interesting to me. Uh, but just think about that for a second. And the, the intention of this segment, I want to make sure it's crystal clear, is not to say it's good uh, that Trump would have a, a close relationship with Putin or good that Biden would have a close relationship with Xi Jinping. And yes, both those world leaders, Xi Jinping and Putin, have been accused of a lot of, of really bad stuff as far as um, uh, human rights atrocities. So it, it just it just makes no sense to me that the Democratic or the Republican position on this stuff can be so uh, pick and choose, cherry picking which things make sense and which things don't. We should have clarity on, on all of this. Uh, we should say that this is bad or this is good. And by the way, I know people who support uh, the former president would actually say that Trump was tough on Russia, uh, not exactly uh, chummy with Russia, which is what everyone says about him. Uh, but Trump did say often that having a good relationship with Russia wouldn't be a bad thing, uh, which is what Biden, of course, has said for a long time about China. Um, and to be entirely candid, if I'm going to take it one step further uh, before moving on to other things, uh, there is an aspect of truth in those sentiments and having uh, valuable relationships with world leaders of countries that we oppose ideologically on a lot of stuff. Uh, there is there is some value in having open lines of communication. Uh, but the weakness thing is the the certain fear there. And there have been lots of times where we've seen a very weak current president in the world of how he treats China. So that that's something that I think is uniquely interesting and uniquely valuable in talking about this topic and the way in which and it might even not be brought up all that much by that many people. But I just in 24 hours saw references to two things at the same time. Uh, I, I will also play this. I think this is interesting, again, about uh, Ukraine and about Russia. Um, I don't know exactly why uh, this sentiment is what it is, uh, but you have a politician out there saying uh, that he feels as though it's totally fine to support Ukraine as they go on a counteroffensive against Russia and to do that for as long as it takes, whether it's 2024, 2025, whatever they need. Uh, Mike, about two months ago, the Pentagon magically found an accounting error that allowed it to find $3 billion more of aid to Ukraine. I don't know if there's more accounting errors that can be found between now and then. Um, but what should Ukraine's level of concern be about this debate between essentially Lindsey Graham and Kevin McCarthy? Uh, they should be concerned uh, because we're all talking about the counteroffensive, right? Chuck, we're waiting for it. Maybe it's happened. Uh, but my prediction is there are going to have to be multiple counteroffensives. Mm -hmm. The idea that this war is just going to end after a few months of fighting, I do not think will be true. I hope it's true. I hope the Ukrainians can push the Russian occupiers out in the next several months. But if they can't, they have to plan for new counteroffensives in the fall, in 2024, in 2025. And so, therefore, they're going to need support from us. I fear for a lot more time yeah. than most Republicans now are talking about. Yeah, I, I think that it would be a lot more time than most Republicans are talking about to fund a war on Russian soil, uh, counterstrikes in Russian soil that were multiple years uh, long. And none of this is to say that you don't support Ukraine's desire to defend itself. I think that that's interesting uh, when people talk about this or the Republican position versus the Democratic position, uh, the political one side versus the other, um, because it's a tremendously different thing uh, to talk about strikes going on in Russia uh, with United States equipment, something that even this administration 
not necessarily the president per se, uh, but you heard from several others on this, has said they told Ukraine not to do, not to use our weapons to attack Russia, which has got to be the oddest thing uh, to say to a country and something um, very, very many people doubt Ukraine will care at all about. Uh, they'll use whatever weapons they think are, are best fit for whatever military action they think makes most sense. And again, I don't even I'll, I'll say this other thing. And this might be a topic that people are, are sick of hearing about, too. I don't know. Uh, but I, I will say it uh, that as far as Ukraine's position is concerned, I don't blame them for what they want to do, for for what does and doesn't make sense to them and how they've been attacked and how they want to fight back. Uh, the thing is that without the support of the United States and uh, countries in Europe, they don't have the capability to wage war the way that they want to wage it. And so, yes, um, providing Ukraine with the ability to defend itself and not allowing Russia to just take over the entire country of Ukraine, that made sense. It still makes sense uh, to a lot of people. Uh, but how, in fact, you end this conflict and what it looks like when it's inevitably over, if it if it ends anytime soon, uh, is certainly something that a lot of people are now uh, discussing. And for some reason, you have so much um, um, separation on what we should and shouldn't be doing when it, it would be pretty clear to me, um, and it's been clear for a while, that if we wouldn't have given Ukraine the means to attack Russia if they came and asked us for it, then why would we do it now? Uh, as they um, create a counteroffensive, and I'm not trying to defend Russia, I'm just I'm just asking the simple question: uh, Why does that make more sense now? Um, because it could be a catalyst to a much much different conflict. All right, quick break. A lot more. 1470. Lighten it up after this. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470. Uh, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to say the P word in a second again. I said it earlier today. Uh, I don't know why this is a thing. Like this, this headline caught my attention because I, I didn't expect it. And it's tied to the USA, but it's also not. Uh, this is something going on in Australia. And I think a company that's Australian, but uses our um, country uh, for some reason in the name of its product. But Australian men need to find an alternative for something that's supposed to help out with certain issues. Uh, the name of the product is, here we go, here's the P word, earmuffs if you want to, uh, Big Penis USA. Uh, that's the name of the pill. Uh, apparently the government in Australia is warning people that these tablets pose a serious risk to your health and should not be taken under any circumstance. Uh, the public health watchdog had discovered that these pharmaceutical things uh, secretly put other stuff uh, inside of their product. Uh, one of the other things that's in there that's not supposed to be in there is essentially Viagra. And so a company that's saying that they're benefiting you in in one way is, well, benefiting some in a very different way. I can't help it. I'm childish. I don't know. Um, but also just that, like, the name of the product and the fact that it's got the USA in there, I'm not totally sure I understand that completely, unless it's just a nice compliment uh, that a, another country or a company, pharmaceutical company in another country is giving uh, to dudes here in the United States. Anyway, uh, if this somehow this show is being picked up um, in Australia. If you're a big listener to my podcast and you live down under, uh, don't take that thing because it might impact you down under. Uh, other stuff out there, uh, this I thought was pretty interesting. A teen um, drained a savings account for a family of $64,000. Uh, this happened in China. $64,000 because of a mobile video game. Uh, a 13-year-old was playing again. This is a, a, a young woman. I was playing a game and apparently had a debit card tied to her phone that was uh, from her 
father from her family, and she spent in a five-month period $16,800 um, on game accounts, nearly 30000 on in-game purchases, and 64000 total dollars. How did you... Like, how did you not notice uh, is my big thing, because it, it says it's a debit card. So this isn't even like a credit card that maybe you're not checking in an account that's running wild. Uh, this is your own bank account. Uh, I assume the family has enough money that the $64,000 in five months didn't tremendously impact them. Uh, but also just the ability to spend that much money on a video game is insane. Um, I, I do play, and I don't play it that much anymore, a one video game on my phone. Uh, and I, I think I've talked about it very little on the show. I doubt anybody really cares. It, it's a Marvel video game. And it asks me to buy stuff all the time. It's always like, you should buy things. It'll make the game easier. And if you bought stuff all the time on that game, and I've been playing it for a couple years now, uh, but not that seriously. Like, I play it when I'm bored and stuff. Um, my wife would probably tell me tell you I play it a little more than I am. Although now, not really. Anyway, if you bought stuff all the time, yeah, I could see how it could rack up. Uh, but over even that amount of time, like five months, to get to $64,000, it, it's insane. Um, I don't know what happened to the days of video games where you bought one and you brought it home and you played it on your video game machine, uh, but that was only a one-time charge. There weren't additional charges. Uh, now video games are a very different racket, and if you have a young person that has a phone that plays video games, you should lock them out of any ability to spend money on this. No idea if that person's going to get any kind of refund uh, but I thought it was an interesting story. Another thing out there that I, I thought was uh, kind of unique um, is something called Hub's Life. <laughs> I don't know why I find this so funny. Uh, it is a, a hashtag a viral thing on social media. I think it's on both Twitter and then actually maybe TikTok. Uh, but what it is is guys, husbands, uh, who put up videos of their day-to-day -day life where they don't do anything the most mundane day-to-day -day life in the world of being a husband, hub life. Uh, you just do regular stuff. Uh, you sit around the house, you go out to the store, you come back from the store, sit around the house again. Apparently, it's popular. Apparently, people watch this, and then other people comment on how depressing this looks, uh, but it's a, it's a thing, and more and more people are doing it. You walk the dog, uh, you do chores when you're asked to do them, uh, my only reaction to this, and, and honestly, this probably connects a little bit to some other stuff that's out there in the world of social media, is I don't understand how people waste time watching something that is obviously boring. Like, I don't get that. Um, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews who love watching YouTube videos, and they'll ask me to watch the YouTube celebrity of their choice with them. And then the vlog that they put on is a person like living their life. And there might be an entertaining or at least interesting moment every so often, but it's filled with a whole lot of not entertaining and not interesting moments and no editing to make it crisper like a TV show or anything. And just the patience of people. Uh, that, it shocks me. The patience of little people, uh, kids, um, because it's not existent anywhere else, right? Like our patience is, is ridiculously short in almost everything, even for kids in school. But then you turn on the YouTube video that has uh, 10 of 15 minutes being absolutely boring, and it's totally fine. You just watch all that, sit there, and enjoy it. Uh, or the other thing I don't understand, uh, which is people watching other people play video games. I need someone to eventually explain to me uh, why I, I've tried. I've, I've watched a person playing a video game on YouTube with my, my nephew, and I've been tremendously bored uh, the entire time. I, I don't get it at all. Uh, one other thing. And then we'll take a break. I thought this was interesting. Pennsylvania State University uh, did a study 
and they found that, I guess, at some point uh, in the world of human evolution, having curly hair was good because it, quote, boosted your brain's growth. Uh, this is because it kept your head cool compared to someone who had straight hair that had a hotter brain. All weird things I didn't expect to say on the show. You wanted to understand the effects of evolution and hair. Boom. Here you go, is what the professor said. Uh, her name is Nina, uh, who put this study out. Uh, at some point, I don't think it's relevant anymore, but curly people had um, bigger brains, which made them smarter, uh, which helped humans evolve. Uh, I love that. Anyone that complains about having, like, poofy, curly hair, and I have basically a Brillo pad on the top of my head if I let it grow out, uh, apparently it's a good thing, or at least it was at some point. A uh, quick break.